0: Coming to you from that once forgotten artery that pulses through the center of the continental United States and into the heart of the Ozarks, Grace Matthews. Looking in from the northern border, our Canadian friend, along with his countrymen, feeling the effects of U.S. political issues, Connor Murphy.
1: Welcome to Dueling Dialogues, episode 19. I'm Connor Murphy here with Grace Matthews in Springfield, Missouri. Hi, Grace. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Summer seems to be
2: back. Oh, it's not here. It's raining. It's oh, all no. gloomy.
1: Well, now. rain hits uh, starting on the weekend, of course, and then it uh, runs for a while into the near future. But that happens when you live in a rainforest. So we're used to it. I
2: guess that's. I guess that's true. I haven't lived in a rainforest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Live in a rainforest, but it didn't rain for almost three months here this summer. So, oh my weird, gosh, yeah, weird stuff. But uh,
2: very yeah, weird here.
1: the The rain we did have was just millimeters, so just cover the ground a few times, and definitely wasn't enough. There's, uh, yeah, we, uh, I've been out here for over twenty years, and and uh, I've never seen some of the trees just die from. Drought, And definitely see it this year. Things are changing. They are changing. They are. Speaking of change, what do we got today?
2: Oh boy, we have got some interesting stuff. Please tell me
1: we're still on shadow government.
2: Oh, we are. We are. I know how you love those conspiracy theories. Yes. Today, we begin talking about Obama's shadow government. And we're going to take a logical look, Connor. We can't be, you know, up in the clouds. All right. So, conspiracy. We talked about this. A label designed to shut up a person saying something a group does not want brought to the forefront. It's a very popular word to use lately. Mm -hmm. Conspiracy theorist is the ultimate cut. As many use it as a term synonymous with crazy or delusional. The media is really throwing it around at some of the conservative, um, you know, yeah. newscasters, opinion guys. Well, we, these, we've talked what,
1: about that a lot. I mean, yeah, with yeah, Fox being yeah. constantly under fire. So.
2: Exactly. So... When these words start spewing these days, I stand at attention because there's someone is saying something that is striking a nerve. You don't call somebody a conspiracy theorist unless they've got something. So call it what you want. Conspiracy, crazy, whatever. When a sitting president turns over the keys to the White House to a new administration, generally speaking, he is turning over a full staff of career employees. Most are likely loyal to the outgoing president. Therefore, it is easy to surmise this allegiance to the former administration could relatively easily be exploited. Fortunately, in the past, outgoing presidents have left D.C. and made a new life outside of politics. Prior to Barack Obama, only one outgoing president made their post-term home in D.C., and that was Woodrow Wilson. In the wake of his stroke he experienced during his term, he stayed to continue his health care with the doctors familiar with his illness. He died less than three years after leaving office. In Wilson's case, he certainly did not call into play the loyalty of his former administration's government. By design one of the most important characteristics of our civilized republic is the peaceful surrender and exchange of power from one administration to the other regardless of the party many dub this as the core to our democracy for more than two hundred years this has remained an important part of our national stability, both practically and symbolically. The first peaceful passing of power was by John Adams to Thomas Jefferson. Today, many are questioning whether this long tradition, traditional cornerstone of the U.S. government has been destabilized. Ironically, a quote by Thomas Jefferson defines the force behind today's topic, and for that matter, many topics. Jefferson said, if you ever find yourself environed with difficulties and perplexing circumstances out of which you are at a loss, how to extricate yourself, do what is right and be assured that that will extricate you. The best out of the worst situations, though you cannot see when you fetch one step, what will be next. Yet follow truth, justice and plain dealing and never fear They're leading you out of the labyrinth in the easiest manner possible. Simply said, we must follow the truth or facts, which is not to say they cannot or will not be met with obstacles or even outliers, but it is the only rational path to ascertaining with a reasonable, conclusive certainty. Did President Obama peacefully and without overt prejudice or corvote control of remaining staff, cede the presidency to Donald Trump. Let's take Thomas Jefferson's advice. What facts or truth can we identify? Obama purchased a massive $8 million home two miles from the White House in T.C. His top advisor, Valerie Jarrett, now lives with the family. Currently, the grounds are being fortified with a tall brick wall. According to the New York Post, an office funded by tax dollars is being built near the House for his chief of staff, press secretary, along with an office for Michelle Obama and the Obama Foundation. On its own, this is compelling. And although it is decisively the perfect shelter for obscurity, we need more facts. Okay, his DC properties can translate into the perfect command center. But, hey, it's a big country, and a command center is nothing without someone to command. There are plenty of people out there that have spent the last decade or so arguing that Obama didn't possess an ounce of business experience. He was nothing more than a neighborhood organizer, and I'm adding sometimes college lecture. One of the most dangerous faults of human beings is assumption that concludes in an underestimation. It's like getting caught with your panties down and realizing later you were out of your mind, but everyone present was completely lucid. The idea sounds as if I've digressed, but like my Canadian friend Connor, I'll apologize, even though there really isn't a need. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's... Oh, no. I knew I would Sorry, it's what catchy. I yes. Sorry, sorry.
1: Sorry, it's catchy.
2: <laughs> yes. Oh. You see, all these little neighborhood groups were kept in place by Soros and the Obama machine. During his presidency, Obama has 250 satellite offices scattered around the nation. The OFA, or Organizing for Action, is a nonprofit 401c4. There isn't even any secrecy here. The organization's mission is clearly stated. They are advocates for the agenda of former U.S. President Obama. This must have been a well-thought post-election plan by the Obamas. According to Wikipedia, Jim Messina, Obama's former 2012 campaign manager and First Lady Michelle Obama, announced the formation of the OFA on January 18th. 2013. After his last election, John Carson even left the White House administration to become executive director and longtime advisor, consultant, and former chief of staff, David Axelrod, serves as a consultant. Organizing for Action took over Organizing for America to operate free of the DNC, the Democratic National Committee. The group trains activists and even has a manual. Activists are taught to disrupt any event held by Republican lawmakers or pro-Trump events. The guidelines are specific with hostility as the ultimate goal. The concept by design suggests if we cannot control the electoral via election, we will scare Republicans and conservatives into agreeing to our agenda. The New York Post says the training manual for anti-Trump activists advises them to bully GOP lawmakers and to backing off support for repealing Obamacare, curbing immigration from high-risk Islamic nations, and building a border wall. So what facts or truths do we have now that will make us that will take us to our next installment of shadow governments. We see that Obama still has a governmental system nearly fully staffed with his holdovers and career employees sympathetic to his motives, and they're still working within the confines of the Trump administration. Obama has secured a compound with space, security, in a place with perfect geographic location that could easily serve as a command center with ample staff to operate as a shadow White House. The OFA and their 250 offices provide ample national coverage for organizing and training an army of activists, perhaps ultimately anarchists. Nevertheless, we must continue to gather facts before we conclude Obama is operating an alternate government by design created to overthrow President Trump and conservative lawmakers, endangering his perceived presidential policies that's
1: pretty powerful i had no idea any of that was going on um in canada obama is you know he's well liked and i think it has something to do with what you mentioned yesterday about the empathy that ruled his campaign still rules him and and maybe a lot of canadians identified with that and bought onto the obama train but this is 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 a bit disturbing
2: It is. It is. And um, as we move forward, we will um, go over some of the some of the conversations he's had with people that run these satellite offices. Now, this is something that I'm told this OFA is not popular among Democrats in general. Wow. Um, That's partly why he took the organization that the DNC operated and made it his own. He wants complete power. Now, we're already seeing things happen. Protesters, we know that when a conservative lawmaker has these town hall meetings, they show up and are very confrontational, very disruptive to the point that usually the town hall meeting is halted. There have already been at least two elected officials say they, they were done, and primarily because their family has been threatened. They, their town hall meetings have been, at the very least, scary. They've been afraid for their, their own safety. Um, one is Jason Chaffetz, and the other is Senator Bob Corker. He announced this morning he was done. I mean, he. I assume he's going to finish this, his term. Jason Chaffetz did not even finish his term. He said there had been one too many threats, and it was no longer worth it. And besides, they can't get anything done. And you have to wonder, when it comes with the things that I mentioned, the issues that I mentioned, healthcare, Islamic immigration, and the wall, Trump can't get anything done. Yeah. Those issues have created a firestorm, literally. That's not to mention what we've talked about before with the leaks, the backstabbing, the the uh, career employees in the White House and some of the issues that actually, Connor, if you look at almost every episode we've done, almost every article we've written has really in a way pointed to things that were instigated by one of these two situations, either OFA, the organization, the protesters, or Obama people working inside the administration. Mueller would not be appointed if it wasn't for an acting holdover in the DOJ's office because Jeff Sessions had to recuse himself of anything related to Russia. Therefore, the holdover acting director, Rosenstein, was the one left to appoint the counsel, Robert Mueller, whom hired all of these attorneys that are left of left and have given a lot of money to left-wing candidates, particularly Hillary Clinton. I don't have a problem with who they give money to, but are the, is this a fair panel to Trump?
1: Obviously not. I mean, every time healthcare comes up, McCain puts a nail in that coffin.
2: Exactly. And what's up with McCain? And how many of these lawmakers do feel threatened to the point they are fearful to pass anything on healthcare? I mean, basically, it failed again. That's just about an hour ago. The president said that they can pass it in January or February because one member, and I'm not even sure he's talking about it yet because it's it's very new, is in the hospital. That will be the vote they need to get health care passed. But he cannot leave the hospital and he cannot travel. I'm not sure who that is as a senator. I, I don't know. But they're starting on tax cuts you now. If you'll notice, tax cuts were not on this list. So I'm wondering if that will be a possibility for them to pass. If How rigid is Obama's list for his OFA? And um, what he feels like is his policies. Apparently, those are the most important to him. But back to one of your original questions and going back to when we talked about empathy... I think Obama's empathetic demeanor was very appealing to a lot of European leaders in Canada.
1: And and Canada. Absolutely. Obama was very, very loved in, in Canada. And right after Trump became president, he snuck away and had a dinner in some coffee shop or something with Justin Trudeau in Montreal.
2: Well, he's clearly not finished. And that's not what our presidents do. Obama is also a globalist.
1: And he wasn't meeting with Trudeau to talk about fishing or Canadian bacon and maple syrup. I'll guarantee that. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall just to hear that conversation.
2: Oh, you know it. He's, he's not finished. Now, how deep does this go? We're going to continue to discuss it. We have, you know, we have set the model here today. And this is fact. Anybody can check this. These are things that can be verified. You know, holdovers are always in a government. Right. You know, but most of the, you know, President Bush, he went back to Texas, started painting, and Bill Clinton went to New York, tried to get his wife elected. I mean, I don't know, had some very interesting parties, I've heard. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, um, George H. Bush, he has spent his time since being president. Traveling from Kitty Bump Port, Maine, to Houston, you know. And um, Jimmy Carter has built houses. Yeah, he's
1: even up here in Canada building the odd house here and there. I mean, the gold guy's yeah. like the Energizer Bunny; he just keeps going and going. Yeah, he and going. does. Uh,
2: but he's doing a, good,
1: you know. Yeah, like, he is. Yeah, and he has. He's making a difference. He's yeah, changing he lives. is, and
2: he's had a lot of health scares.
1: Right. Well, but, he's ancient.
2: You know, and he every now and then will interject something into politics, but he's certainly not ever tried to run some sort of alternate government or, you know, tried to form a coup. Exactly. I think sometimes we think that we're too modernized, we're too clever for things like this to happen. And yet they are. And yet they are. And I bet every society that it has happened in, believed the same thing. And making assumptions is very dangerous. It's, it's dangerous personally, but it's also dangerous for countries and, and politics. But these aren't assumptions. These are facts you're talking about. Oh, the, what I'm telling you today are facts. That's not even something I'm surmising. I didn't surmise one thing today. Right. These are things that are already in place, and they're not hidden. They're not hidden. You know, that's the one thing about Obama had an attitude, an entitlement attitude. And I don't mean like the same as entitlement for social services. There is a certain air about him that believes that what he wants to do should happen. And we've all met people like that. They weren't all president. Mm -hmm. And he believes that if he passed certain policy, it should stay that way. His legacy is very, very important to him, and I'm sure it's important to all presidents. But he, it was maybe more, or I, I shouldn't say was, it is more important to him than other presidents. Hmm. I don't know why.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm pulling up a loss here too. I, I'm not sure at all. Other than power.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's always back to power. Power and legacy. Yeah. And these guys really, you know, there are certain leaders that it is so important to them. It's, it's really hard for me to understand. I mean, I can understand it in my head, but in my heart, I can't imagine what steps they would take to secure that power. I mean, it's kind of like Hillary. What's driving her as power? Right. The need for power. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I see it in both of these these people. and
1: um, For me, it's easier to believe the Clintons are behind a shadow government than Obama.
2: I, I think it is for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I but definitely.
2: It, this looks well-paying. Like I said, for him to have organized in 2013, this group, he needed it to be in place when his presidency was over. That was... Four years before he would have left the presidency. Four years exactly. Now, my guess is he would have done this even if Hillary won. I don't even know if this is just about Trump.
1: You know what? I would tend to definitely agree with you there. I think that, that it, from just the facts that we've reviewed today alone, it didn't matter who won. This was going to happen.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Um, perhaps... He believes himself to be the ultimate leader. And one time, right after he became president, and he kind of prematurely won an award, the Peace Award. And, and he won it like within two weeks of taking office or something. Hmm. And something was said then about he was young enough and believed he could eventually become the leader of... Of the globe, meaning that we would become a global society. Now, I've heard Hillary mention that before too—that she wants completely open borders, completely open trade—and this is she took this from Obama
1: hmm.
2: um, because this certainly has been a, a part of his policy and his long-term goals, and and eventually there would be one world order.
1: Right. That kind of. Almost um, plays into today's news in, in a way. Exactly. Um, yeah. So we're, we're basically going to hear a lot more about uh, the North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, and the World Trade Organization coming up. Because in the news today, the, the U.S. Commerce Department stunned not only Canada and the rest of the world, but stunned Boeing. They slapped a tariff on Canadian Aerospace Corporation, Bombardier, and Boeing, or prior to this, asked for 79% increase in tariffs due to Canada's recent investment over a half a billion dollars. And the UK invested 113 million British pounds into Bombardier. So they asked for 79% and they got 219% increase in Bombardier C-Series jet. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So any American company that buys a Bombardier C-Series jet, the price just went up from an estimated 15 to 30 million to close to 80 million. Oh my gosh. So yeah, that's uh, kind of in violation of some of our prior trade agreement so uh the dispute is likely to go on for a few years now but immediately what it affects is a sale to boeing canadian prime minister justin trudeau put a hold on an 18 jet order for boeing's fa 18 super hornet jet fighters basically it was a done deal was being the keyword 5.2 billion dollars is what that deal was worth
2: Mm.
1: So it, it yeah, this is this is sent global ripples today from all coming from the US Commerce Department. So uh yeah, the UK is not very impressed because 4,000 employees are Bombardier employees in Northern Ireland. So the wings for the C series jet are made in Northern Ireland and this tariff affects basically Europe and Canada and all of NATO because of course uh the uk and canada are in nato
2: sure yeah
1: so in the nato in in nato so there but that goes to
2: prove you know obama was a globalist now we have trump the nationalist and that's where this tariff came from
1: well i i don't think the world is going to be buying fa 18 super hornet jet fighters any longer So I'm not sure who this deal will hurt more. It's not really noticeable in the stock exchange yet, but it's definitely, this is going to be the beginning of a couple year fight. So
2: that was in the news. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. Yes. Very big deal. Well, we can agree on that. We absolutely can. And we don't always agree, but life's a journey and we're all in this together. Thanks for listening. Godspeed, Connor. Godspeed to all of our friends out there.
1: Godspeed, Grace, and listeners. There's, We're going to have more on the shadow government coming up soon. So thanks for listening,
0: and stay tuned, and uh, we'll see you next time. Dueling Dialogues is brought to you by our affiliates at IX Web Hosting. Click the banner on the right, rightleftchronicles.com to get up to 40% off your first year of the best hosting on the planet. Today's episode of Dueling Dialogue is brought to you by Saucy Eva. Gma's marinade is coming soon to a plate near you to gourmetize your meats and proteins.